for 603 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers just posted another gutsy win over the Carolina Hurricanes, once again defeating them inside Madison Square Garden to sort of hold serve here. It's a situation where the home team has now won all four of the games in this series. And in fact, that's been the story of the entire Canes postseason at this point. You know, they have won all six of their home games. They have lost all five of their away games. We'll talk about that a little bit more in today's episode as well. But for the Rangers, I thought this was just a fantastic performance in our most recent episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Obviously, you know, I'm recapping everything that happened in Game 3, and I thought the Rangers played very, very well in Game 3. It was not perfect, but uh, they dug deep, and they won a game that they absolutely had to win. But a thought occurred to me while watching Game 3, and again, it is something that I shared in our most recent episode, and I'll bring it up here again for anybody that might have missed it. The Rangers, up to this point, I would say, Game 4 here, they have not yet played their complete A-game so far in the playoffs. There have been flashes of it here and there. There have been uh, certain moments in the Pittsburgh series and even in this Carolina series where the Rangers have been at their absolute best. But have they played a true complete 60 where they're just locked in and focused and clearly the better team on the ice for maybe not the entire game, but the vast majority of it? I would say no, once again, until tonight. And in our most recent episode, I said, I just had a gut feeling that this was on the way. This was going to happen sooner rather than later, where the Rangers once again played a complete 60 minutes and won by a fairly comfortable margin. And it's funny because, you know, in our last episode, we post all these episodes on YouTube, obviously, and uh, one of you guys left a comment on the uh, most recent episode that, you know, I had forgotten about Game 2 against Pittsburgh. And, of course, the Rangers won that game 5-2. to two. So the last couple of minutes, we could breathe a little bit easy in that Game 2 win against the Penguins. Obviously, you know, they had the three-goal cushion as they did in this game here tonight. But you got to remember, that game against the Penguins, Game 2, you know, going into the third period, the Rangers only had a one-goal lead. The Penguins got a tremendous push at the start of the third period. I think uh, a lot of us were kind of holding our breath. The Rangers were back on their heels a little bit, and then they got two quick goals in that game from Panarin and Vetrano to kind of reclaim control and uh, ultimately, you know, go on uh, to, to get that win there. But again, this is the first time where it just felt like the Rangers were in total control. You know, we did our Locked On Now. We do the Locked On Now videos every single night. Uh, every time the Rangers play a game. And one thing that I mentioned in the video that I recorded uh, as it pertains to this game is that the Rangers were due to play their absolute best game of the playoffs. I really believe that. I felt like it was kind of set up for that. You know, you have the Carolina Hurricanes team that's scuffling on the road the entire playoffs early. You've got the fact that uh, the Rangers obviously have Igor Shesterkin. The Rangers defended a lot better in Game 3. wasn't perfect. You know, Igor had to make a bunch of saves, but I don't know. It was just a gut feeling that the Rangers were going to come out here, put their best foot forward, and find a way to get this series even going back to rally. And on top of everything I just mentioned, the Rangers are very well aware of the fact that, you know, it's probably not a recipe for success to keep falling into 3-1 to one series deficits. I mean, yeah, they came back on the Penguins, but again, you know, we've mentioned this before as well. How many miracles can you have in one single Stanley Cup playoff run here? 
And again, there were just so many things to really like about this game. You've got the Rangers once again winning the special teams battle. The Rangers, they go one for four on the power play. Frank Vetrano opening the scoring uh, by, you know, batting a goal on the man advantage. You had the Carolina Hurricanes going 0 for 2 on their power play opportunities, and they just continue to struggle immensely. I believe they're now like nine for their last 89 or something like that on the power play. It's somewhere in that vicinity. But beyond that, once again, you know, you, you, can talk about the percentages. You know, the Rangers went one for four. The Canes went 0 for two. When you just watch these six different power play opportunities in this game, the Rangers were just the far better team whenever one team or the other was on the man advantage. And we're going to have specific examples about this a little bit later in today's episode to kind of illustrate my point and uh, just kind of share what I'm talking about here. I mean, you guys watch the game. You can see it just as well as I do. But again, I'm going to just kind of share some of the best plays, the best moments uh, from both the Rangers power play as well as the penalty kill. And on top of everything else that I just mentioned, this is a game where the Rangers won every single 50-50 pucks and maybe even some of the 40-60 pucks or 30-70 pucks, uh, a couple of stick lifts by the Rangers. Maybe they saw Mika Zibanejad uh, lift the stick of his opponent in the last game and you know everybody's kind of breaking out that move now. Um, but this was absolutely fantastic to see the Rangers just dogged determination to get possession of some of these pucks, to keep possession of some of these pucks, to keep some scoring opportunities alive. And in a couple of instances, it actually led to a goal. You know, the Rangers winning uh, a 50-50 or again, even like a 40-60 puck, and it ended up leading to them scoring a goal. So we'll be talking about that for sure as well. And something else that really stood out to me in this game, the Rangers have gotten infinitely better since the first round of the playoffs versus this round of the playoffs when it comes to very simply, just clearing the puck out of their zone. That was a major, major problem against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins were in hard on the forecheck every single shift. Oftentimes, the Rangers would you know, kind of panic or, or try to make a, a rush play or whatever it might be. They just seem much cooler, calmer, and more collected when it comes to just working the puck up the boards, finding somebody who's open, simply moving the puck out of the zone, and basically nullifying what is usually a vaunted Carolina Hurricanes forecheck. I mean, that's something that they're really known for. The Canes forecheck was almost nowhere to be found in this game. So great job by the Rangers in that department as well. We also got to talk a little bit about uh, some of the drama here. So coming into this game, you know, Ryan Reeves was asked about, you know, everything that happened with Max Domi and everything that happened with Tony D'Angelo and Gerard Gallant at the end of the last game. And this is what Ryan Reeves had to say about it. I'm going to do my thing, go run some people and get in their face, which is basically just what you would expect Ryan Reeves to say. But then Rod Brindamore uh, chirped back and said, I don't know what he's waiting for. And Rod Brindamore, I, I, you know, I respect the heck out of him. He was a, a fantastic hard-nosed player, obviously captain the Carolina Hurricanes team to a Stanley Cup. Uh, back in, what was it, 2006, and if you didn't remember that or didn't know that, don't worry, they'll remind you about a million times per broadcast, um, but be that as it may, you know, Brindamore, be careful what you wish for because Reeves found Tony D'Angelo and he found Max Domi in two separate instances in this game. You had, you know, a little get-together with Reeves and D'Angelo early. Reeves had the puck. He went across the blue line. Play was whistled down for offside, and uh, Reeves was actually, you know, tussling with the other Carolina Hurricane that was there on the play, and then him and Tony D'Angelo got in each other's face. Uh, really, really heated exchange, really intense, and uh, just kind of set the stage right then and there for what was a very chippy, high-temperature game. It's getting nastier and nastier, seemingly by the shift in this game, uh, or in this series, rather, between the Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. And then, of course, at the end of the game, Max Domi's on the ice. The Rangers put Ryan Reeves on the ice. Reeves is kind of messing with him, kind of challenging him to try to do something. He didn't forget about, you know, what Domi did to Ryan Lindgren at the end of the last game. And then, 
Uh, the game ends. You know, you've got Reeves, you've got Domi kind of slashing each other with their sticks, and you know, everybody comes together. Big tussle. You know, five on five on the ice. Nothing too crazy or too out of control. But uh, yeah, the temperature is really, really risen in a heck of a hurry in this series. That is for sure. But we are just getting warmed up here on Locked On New York Rangers. We're going to continue breaking down all the highlights from this game in just a second. I'm also going to uh, talk a little bit about the decision to basically revert back to the original line combinations, the line combinations that we saw in games one and two of this series, as well as the vast majority of the Pittsburgh series, save for uh, one slight adjustment that was made in this game. And we're also going to get into the best saves from Igor Shesterkin on the night. He was absolutely clutch when the Rangers needed him to be. Obviously, again, I thought the Rangers defended very well in front of him, uh, did a heck of a job there. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily the the craziest night for Igor Shesterkin, although he did make some big-time saves in this game, that is for sure, and, uh, you know, ended up stopping 30 or 31 shots. So a uh, big night for Igor Shesterkin as well. And we're going to get to all that good stuff in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse just so happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so some quick thoughts on the Rangers line combinations, the new line combinations, which are actually pretty much the old line combinations. You've got the first line back together, Mika Zibanejad centering Chris Kreider and Frank Vitrano. You've got the second line back together, Ryan Strom centering Artemi Panarin and Andrew Kopp. The only difference here is that now on the third line, you've got Tyler Mott playing the right wing and Philip Heedle in his usual spot at center, Alexi Lafreniere in his usual spot on the left wing. And that also means Capo Caco drops down to the fourth line. He ends up playing on the left wing on the fourth line with Kevin Rooney at center, Ryan Reeves on the right wing. And at first glance, wasn't really feeling this. You know, the kid line has done such a great job for the Rangers for the majority of this playoffs. And I don't really think Capo Caco did anything to warrant, you know, a demotion, if you even want to call it that. I think we can probably pretty fairly call it a demotion because, you know, obviously he's done well on the third line with his fellow kids there. And, you know, now he's playing with the enforcer, Ryan Reeves, and the, uh, you know, defensive forward penalty killing type in Kevin Rooney. So a little bit of a demotion for Capo Caco, to be sure. I, instead of this, probably would have preferred 
a situation where Tyler Mott is kind of the Swiss Army knife and the guy that can move up and down the lineup pretty freely. I know there have been times in this playoffs, particularly when the Rangers have a lead, where they'll move Tyler Mott up the lineup. There have been a couple of times where you know he's taken Frank Vetrano's spot briefly, but nevertheless taken his spot on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and with Chris Kreider. And again, they usually do that when the Rangers are protecting a lead and they want their best defensive forwards out there, and certainly Tyler Mott qualifies there. So I think I would prefer that strategy overall, but by that same token, can't go crazy about it either because Tyler Mott's played very, very well for the Rangers, and you know sometimes you want to reward somebody for some strong play. And you know if you look at time on the ice, Tyler Mott ends up with 14 minutes and 55 seconds of ice time. Capo Caco had the least amount of ice time for the New York Rangers in this game at just 10 minutes and 40 seconds. So that's pretty surprising to an extent. Again, I think Caco is overall played pretty well, but you know the Rangers just Jorgalant's trusting his gut. I mean, I think that's something that he's done pretty much all season, and obviously it paid dividends in this game as well. Tyler Mott ends up with four hits, uh, two blocked shots. One shot on goal, two takeaways, played very, very well for the Rangers while logging, once again, 14 minutes and 55 seconds of ice time, including two minutes and 38 seconds of time on the penalty kill. And he has been just absolutely fantastic on the PK. And like I said, we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, But first, I can't go a second longer without giving Igor Shosturkin his just due here. He was absolutely fantastic in this game when he needed to be. Like I said, I thought he got a good amount of support from the Rangers in this game. Not too many shots coming from the high danger areas on the ice, but when they did, Igor was ready. And he was ready basically a minute or so into this game, just over a minute. And when this happened, I I highlighted it in my notes and I said, okay, we're definitely talking about this if the Rangers win this game and get this series even, and particularly if Igor Sesterkin ends up having a really strong game, which of course he did. So basically, you got a situation, pucks behind the Ranger net, and again, this is just barely over a minute into the game. The puck kind of just squirts free, goes in front to Sebastian Ajo. Ajo passes to his right to Pesci, and this is looking like it could very easily be a goal. But then again, we've got Igor Shesterkin between the pipes. So Igor makes an excellent sliding save, moving hard to his left, got his glove on it, and deflected it wide of the net. So again, just an absolutely clutch save by Igor. Now listen, if the Canes score here, do the Rangers go on to win this game 4-2 to and you know largely dominate after this happens? It's possible, but it's also possible that you know, this game just kind of takes on a little bit of a different feel. We know how dangerous the Canes can be when they're playing with the lead. Obviously, you always want to be playing with the lead, but the Canes are really in their element just because they defend so well. So this was huge to not let the Canes take an early lead in this game. A fantastic save by Igor Shesterkin. And speaking of saves early in periods, you know, obviously this one was the first period. The second period, you get a quick break uh, for the Canes, kind of comes out of nowhere. Centering pass is made to Tevu Teravainen. Igor, again, with a great sliding save. This time he uses his right pad to keep the puck out of the net. It was Jarvis passing to Tara Vinen on this play and just full extension, total split from Igor Sesterkin. Phenomenal right skate save. So once again, the second straight period that started with an outstanding save by Igor Shesterkin. And again, you know, you look at the situation in the game here, it's just two to nothing Rangers. You know, the Canes score early in the second period. Maybe they start rolling, they start finding their game a little bit and they work their way back into it. But Igor Shesterkin made sure that that did not happen with once again, just a fantastic save in the first minute or so of the second period. And then one more that I wanted to highlight here, and this one happened uh, fairly early in the third period. So we'll look at, uh, you know, Igor's best save of all three periods here, as it turns out. Uh, But the Canes operating on the power play, once again, we've documented their struggles. They 
at this point were 9 for their last 88 on the power play. That dates back to the regular season. After failing to score here, they are now 9 for their last 89. And if you're the Rangers, or really anybody that's playing the Carolina Hurricanes, you don't want to give them even the slightest reprieve the slightest bit of confidence that okay we're starting to figure it out on our power play and you certainly don't want to let them score you want to let this uh, kind of fester in their heads for as long as absolutely possible hopefully in a perfect world the Canes don't score a power play goal the rest of this series I think that pretty much goes without saying but once again when you have a team that's really scuffling on the power play you just don't want to let them break out of it because the Canes do have some good players they got some guys who can really put the puck in the net but right now I mean they were they are really up against it when it comes to uh, playing on the man advantage. But anyway, uh, as far as this save here, and something else that's very telling, I, I want to mention this as well. Rod Brindamore started this Kane's power play with the second power play group. And keep in mind, this is the third period. It's crunch time. The Canes are down three to nothing at this point in the game. Brindamore is so, I guess, dissatisfied with what he's seeing from his top power play unit that he actually starts with the second group. And they actually got a chance here. Uh, well, actually, by, by this point, the first power play unit was back on the ice. The second power play unit started this man advantage. The first unit eventually got back out there. But this was late in the power play. And you've got Sebastian Ajo taking a shot from the slot. And Igor Sesterkin gets a piece of it, either with his blocker or maybe it was his shoulder. It was part of his right arm there, for sure. But a great save by Igor Sesterkin. Turn the puck aside. What more can you say about this guy? The slam dunk Vesna winner, somebody that, you know, is a Hart Trophy finalist, and somebody that, if the Rangers, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here because they're playing a great team. The series is 2-2. The series is going back to rally where the Canes have been just awesome in the playoffs. So the Rangers still have their work very, very much cut out for them. But if the Rangers go on some crazy run, they end up in the Stanley Cup finals or whatever happens, uh, Igor Shosturkin is certainly going to be in the mix for a Conn Smythe as well. Uh, but again, just fantastic stuff here by Igor Shosturkin. Got much more help in this game than I thought he did in game three. But once again, very, very clutch when the Rangers needed him to be. And in just a second, we're going to go ahead and break down some other highlights from the special teams play, both the Rangers power play and the penalty kill. We actually kind of just started it uh, talking about uh, this one penalty kill that the Rangers had where they obviously successfully kept the Canes from scoring, but we're going to continue doing that in just a second, talk about some of the highlights from the Ranger power plays, and we're also going to talk about Andrew Kopp's big night and... Just an excellent play by Chris Kreider that led to a goal that was scored by Adam Fox and gave the Rangers a 2-0 lead in the second period. And we will do all of that in just a second. All right, I just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so in the first period, we kind of got a hint that the Rangers were going to have a pretty strong night on the power play. And again, they only went one for four. I don't want to make it sound like they scored four power play goals in this game, but they looked dangerous on all the man advantages that they had in this one, with the one exception maybe being their fourth and final power play. But by that point in the game, you know, they got the power play. There was about six or seven minutes to go. They got a three-goal lead, and the emphasis there is going to be on, you know, just making sure you're being smart with the puck and not giving them any shorthanded opportunities. The Rangers were happy to bleed two minutes off the clock in that instance. The other power plays, I thought they looked dangerous on all of them, and it started in the first period. Frank Vetrano, just the start of a strong night for him. He drew a tripping penalty on the Carolina Hurricanes, on Seth Jarvis more specifically. Jarvis's foot clipped Vetrano in the back of his skate, and the Rangers went to the power play. The Rangers 
did everything but score on this power play here. Excellent puck movement. You've got Panarin with a one-timer. That's turned aside by Antti Ranta. You've got Adam Fox. He did a great job. He, Fox is so good at this. Fox is so good at everything. But this is the second straight game where it looked like the Canes had a clear while they were shorthanded, and Fox reaches up, gloves it down, keeps the play alive. So he did a great job there. You've got Panarin making a pass to Fox. Fox did a great job here because he faked a slap shot, and then passed into the left circle to Mika Zibanejad. Mika rips a one-timer, and a right skate save by Antti Ranta, one of Ranta's better saves of the night for sure. And then the Rangers eventually got the puck at the net. You've got Stroman Kreider in front there, kind of whacking away at it, and just coming up a little bit short as far as uh, burying the rebound there. Chris Kreider had a couple chances at a deflection a little bit later in this power play. Like I said, they did everything but score, and all five guys on the ice were contributing and you know doing what they could to create as many scoring chances as possible. But it kind of gave you a good feeling that if the Rangers got another power play, particularly if it wasn't too long after this, that they would be able to convert, and indeed, that ended up being the case. And we're going to talk about the Rangers' second power play, the successful power play, the one in which they actually scored in just a second. But I actually want to mention... Jacob Truba and Max Domi, the incident here that led to the Rangers getting this power play. So basically, Max Domi is in the neutral zone. He's got the puck, and Truba was looking to absolutely just annihilate this guy. Yeah, Domi either slipping or ducking at the last second, and Truba just absolutely laid him out, crashed into him, and the fight is on. Truba's elbow caught Domi in the head. I would not call this a dirty hit, though, because, uh, again, Domi had fallen down to the ice on this. Before Domi fell, I don't think Truba's elbow was going to come anywhere near his head. I know certain people on social media were claiming that, you know, Truba's elbow was already cocked. Maybe it was a little bit. It's at least possible, but I don't think by any means that Truba was looking to drive his elbow through the head of Max Domi. He was just looking to lay a punishing hit on Domi. And so, you know, Truba does this. He gets jumped by Lorenz. Lorenz attacks him, but Truba ends up getting the better of this fight. Definitely wins this fight uh, by a fairly solid margin. Landed a couple punches near the end there. And Lorenz, I mean, they both got five for fighting. But on top of that, Lorenz gets a 10-minute misconduct and two minutes for instigating. And so the Rangers go to the power play. You got Panarin passing in deep for Chris Kreider. Kreider passes between his legs to Ryan Strom, but Strom unfortunately kind of whiffed on his shot opportunity. And then you get the Rangers' second unit on, and they scored a goal not too long ago. I believe it was against the Penguins, uh, kind of late in that series that was big as well. Second power play unit stepping up a little bit, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, hopefully giving the Rangers another threat because we know how good the top unit is. Nice to see the second unit taking advantage of limited ice time when it comes to the man advantage. But you got Frank Vitrano does a great job protecting the puck. He gets a short pass over to Adam Fox. Fox passes across the ice to his left to Andrew Kopp, and then Kopp dishes back across the ice in the other direction, back to his right to Frank Vitrano, and Vitrano buries it with about 6.30 to go in the first period under the left arm of Antti Ranta. Like we said, a much-needed moment for Frank Vitrano. He hadn't really been producing points at a very top-notch level before this game, but by that same token, the Rangers have obviously played a handful of low-scoring games against the Canes here, so he's not the only Ranger that hasn't exactly been lighting up the score sheet every single night, but be that as it may, very nice to see Frank Vitrano take advantage of his excellent shot and uh, give the Rangers what turned out to be a game-long lead here, scoring on the power play and making it one to nothing. And then this next goal by the Rangers makes it two to nothing, and this one did not occur on the power play, but wow, do we need to talk about it because what a play by Chris Kreider. 
He will not get credited with an assist on this goal that was ultimately scored by Adam Fox, but he really should. I, I realize, you know, you can't give every single player on the ice an assist, and it's for the better that, you know, only the last two guys to touch the puck get the assist on the play. But man, if, if you could ever bend that rule just once and give out a third assist on a play, I think this would be the goal right here. Give it to Chris Kreider because on this play, you know, the Rangers, they got the puck in the attacking zone. Kreider breaks his stick. Drops his stick on the ice, but he's still, you know, right in the middle of the play there. He's in the right face-off circle. He doesn't have his stick. There's not a whole lot he can do except for what he did. And what he did was he used his right skate to just boot the puck ahead to Andrew Cobb. And Cobb, you know, this goes back to something that we were talking about earlier in today's episode as well. He wins a 50-50 puck here. And again, this might have been more like a 40-60 puck. Great job fighting for it, getting possession, Cop passes back to Ryan Lindgren, who's at the left point. Lindgren moves in a little bit, takes a shot with his momentum kind of taking him toward the boards there, but he throws the puck at the net, which again, something that the Rangers need to do and something that when they do do this, it tends to be successful more often than not. It, it tends to pay dividends. And in this case, Lindgren, again, just kind of throwing the puck at the net. Adam Fox is in front. He deflects it, goes into the net. Two to nothing, New York Rangers at that point. So again, just a fantastic individual effort by Chris Kreider and everybody on the ice contributing to this goal here. Adam Fox with the redirect and the Rangers with the two to nothing lead. And as I said, you know, we're breaking down the special teams performances of both these teams, and I figure we might as well turn our attention to the only other Kane's power play in this game. We already talked about the one. This one was set up by a very, very very, very long offensive zone possession by the Carolina Hurricanes. The Rangers were trapped out there forever. Uh, Ryan Reeves, it turns out, was on the ice for a minute and 47 seconds straight, and then play finally stops when the Rangers get possession of the puck because Ryan Lindgren had been called for interference in front of the Ranger net. So the Canes back on the power play. They're kind of just feeling for the light switch in the dark right now on the man advantage. And they end up putting Nino Niederreiter back onto the top unit. They were looking for him. It's a big guy. You know, they're looking for him to maybe set a screen, maybe clean up uh, some loose change in front of the Ranger net if it comes to that. But the Rangers just weren't going to have it. After the faceoff, Miller and Truba, they immediately worked the puck out of the zone. You've got uh, Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott out there as well to start this penalty kill for the Rangers. As soon as the Canes get the puck back into the Rangers zone. You've got Tyler Mott forcing a turnover and Cop gets to clear. And I swear, this also happened once or twice in game three. You know, Mott and Cop are out there together on the penalty kill fairly commonly. And there were one or two plays in game three where, you know, Mott kind of forces the Kane player off the puck or, or knocks it away from him or whatever it might be. And then Andrew Kopp is always Johnny on the spot to clear the puck down the ring. Those two make an excellent tandem uh, kind of heading up the Ranger top PK unit. But anyway, not too long after this, you've got Chris Kreider winning a race to the loose puck that is kind of just drifting back into the Kane zone. He's got a hurricane all over him, but he shakes him and he's able to make a backhand pass to Mika's advantage. And Mika's all alone, one-on-one -on -one with Antti Ranta. Mika, by the time he got this puck, was kind of running out of real estate. He didn't really uh, get a chance to move toward the net with a ton of momentum. As soon as he had the puck, he was right there, right on the doorstep. Not exactly a bad problem to have, but when you've got Mika Zibanejad going in on a breakaway, you know, and he's behind the defense and he's flying in there, I think he's more dangerous than he was uh, in this situation. He did make some really nifty moves, and uh, Ranta did have to make a really nice save to keep the puck out. Mika, he couldn't quite lift the puck over the pad of anti-Ranta, so 
Unfortunately, you know, the Rangers missed their opportunity to make it 3 0 there. But again, just an absolutely fantastic PK by the Rangers. Uh, they did get a little bit of luck later in this PK. But I think, again, you know, you, you play this well on the kill. The hockey gods smile at you sometimes. You have a situation where Nietzsche actually rings his shot off the pipe. Svechnikov was providing the screen on this play. I don't think Igor ever saw it, but it harmlessly bounces away from the net. Uh, it actually went off the post, off of Igor Shesterkin, and then away from the net. So a little bit of puck luck there for the Rangers. But again, when you're playing the way the Rangers played in this game, I think you can't earn a little bit of puck luck. But one other thing I want to do, the last thing before we uh, call it a night here, is give a special shout-out to Andrew Kopp and Frank Vitrano, both those guys coming through, as they have really ever since they were acquired by Chris Jury at the trade deadline this season. They combined for five points in this one. On top of that, just very, very engaged. We already talked about Cop just doing outstanding work on the Ranger penalty kill and obviously ends up with a goal and two assists while Frank Vitrano gets the party started for the Rangers, scoring their first goal of the game, which we already talked about, and then also picking up a secondary assist on a goal by Mika Zibanejad in the second period that made the score 3 to nothing in favor of the Rangers. But man, these guys are awesome. Tyler Mott as well, and even Justin Braun. You know, Mott does a great job in the PK, does a great job just being a buzzsaw and kind of a pain in the butt to play against. Uh, you know, Cop was out there for 2 minutes and 41 seconds on the penalty kill. Tyler Mott was out there for 238 while the Rangers are shorthanded, obviously playing just a huge role in the Rangers continuing to shut down the Canes power play. And again, even Justin Braun, and that was another pickup at the trade deadline. I... He tends to fly under the radar for me, which is good. It's good because I think sometimes that's all you really want and all you really need from your sixth defenseman. I don't see, you know, you go on Ranger Twitter, not that this is like the end-all be-all, but I haven't seen too many uh, anti-Justin Braun tweets as much as I certainly saw a lot of anti-Patrick Nemeth tweets, and that's because Justin Braun doesn't really stand out one way or another. You know, he just takes care of business while he's on the ice and does not lose the game for you. I, I think overall he's played fairly well. Obviously, he doesn't see nearly as much ice time as the top Ranger defenseman. Braun was out there for 12:42 in this one. Schneider was out there for 8:11, and every other Ranger defenseman had at least 20 minutes of ice time. So Braun is used sparingly, but I think he does a decent job for this team when he's on the ice. That will pretty much do it for tonight, though, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And by the way, anybody who wants to send in their Game 7 stories, how you reacted to the Rangers winning that game in overtime when Artemi Panarin scored the winner. You want to just share any other thoughts from that series, you know, just being down 3-1, did you think the Rangers could come back? I've already heard from a couple of you guys, and, you know, I'm thinking kind of an off-season episode, I'll, I'll read uh, all your experiences as well, because I just think it's a lot of fun to connect with Ranger fans and just find out, you know, what everybody else is going through uh, while the Rangers were basically giving us all a heart attack in the first round of the playoffs, but... That will do it for tonight. Once again, thank you guys, as always, for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about some New York Ranger players who need to step up as this series progresses here. Now make your second listen, Lockdown NHL. From first-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Lockdown NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.